To answer your question, how can people prepare for post-lockdown? It's about taking overwhelm and then putting that into two categories. And that can massively reduce the amount of overwhelm by simply saying, what can I not have any influence whatsoever on? Okay, so government policy, the average person doesn't have the ability to change that. There's so many variables that people are not in control of. And the simplest thing that you can do is to accept that you can't influence or control those things. And if you accept that fully, but are willing to respond quickly to whatever does happen in the area that you can control, that's going to make you feel a bit more empowered rather than a victim of what's going on. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast with business strategist, speaker and author Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. Gavin here, episode 109. Today we are with Adam Cox and Adam is a business owner. He runs a PR agency and he's as a hobby, has a practice in Harley Street in London where he uses his skills around hypnotherapy in order to help people deal with anxiety, lose weight, overcome phobias. Adam and I share a passion and an interest in NLP and hypnosis. And I wanted to get Adam on the show because I wanted to have a conversation about his views, not only as a business owner and leader, but also as a specialist around mindset and reducing anxiety, about what can business owners, what can business leaders do now to re-engage, re-onboard people that maybe have been on furlough back into the place of work? And also, how can they help shift the focus away from anxiety and fear to where the business is heading? Um, This episode, you'll love it. It's laden full with some really sound, you know, practical things that Adam suggests that you can do as a business owner to help your team re a sort of uh, acclimatized to back to a, a working maybe a bit more face-to-face in a in the place of work as opposed to working from home and how to keep them engaged and how to look after their mental health as well hello and welcome back to the business mastermind podcast today i'm speaking with adam cox business owner and hypnotherapist and we uh, share a love of all things mindset and uh, and in actual fact uh, hypnosis also and what i wanted to bring Adam onto the show to talk about was as we re- return to work, return and escape from lockdown, the importance about um, making the adjustments around keeping our mindset strong, having the mental resilience in order to go through, and also to talk about how business owners and leaders can shift the conversation amongst their employees, their team members from fear towards, um, you know, focus on where we're heading in our business and, and something positive. So before I get into all of that with you, Adam, share a little bit about you, your background and the work that you do. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for inviting me on the show today. Um, my background really is that um, I suffered from huge amounts of anxiety when I was in my uh, late teenage years, uh, early 20s, to the extent that uh, in my first year of university, I was a recluse. I, I didn't pretty much leave my one bed uh, you know, apartment during the daytime, I was crippled by fear. The idea of going outside kind of made my heart beat a million miles an hour. Um, and it led me to kind of study about anxiety, about how we think, about how our beliefs and 
inner dialogue and, and inner thoughts can affect our emotional state. Um, and I'm very grateful for that time now because it's enabled me to be what, you know, what I consider and hopefully my clients consider to be an effective hypnotherapist. But I don't think I would be doing that if it wasn't for that kind of necessity that I had back in my, in my teenage years. Um, at the age of 23, not only had I got over my, my fears, phobias and, and anxiety, but, um, and it was, hyp- it was hypnosis that helped you. The it, cute- it, 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 yeah. it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was kind of looking at mainly my belief systems and, and what was causing the anxiety. So the, right. the, the thought process, lots of NLP techniques and, and self-hypnosis as well. Um, and then I, I ended up working in a, in a PR company, uh, learning, you know, my interest was always psychology. So learning about, uh, influence and perception management, um, to begin with, I thought, right, I want to master this this element of influence. And, and that led me to the the profession of sales. And I read every book on sales and all the, yeah. you know, because you know, Bandler, you'll, you'll be familiar with Bandler and Laval's book, Persuasion, Persuasion Engineering. Engineering. Brilliant. And that book. was just, I think personally, for me, it's the one that of all sales books that stands out. I remember the first time I read it, just loving it. So clever. It blew my mind. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, mine too. and, it, and it prompted me to start thinking, well, you know, I need to, I need to make money here, but if I can make money while learning about these kind of language skills and influence skills mm. and the internal representations that people make and motivational yeah. strategies, then, then that's going to be, you know, in NLP, they love the term dovetailing outcomes. I thought, well, yeah, yeah. I can have a career here and also learn skills at the same time. Fantastic. Um, and then at the age of 23, I set up my own PR company. Um, uh, and I reconciled that on the basis that even if it failed, I would learn so much, it would be worth what I invested. Um, and that, that business uh, was called the Radio Relations, the, uh, a PR company. Uh, I still have the Radio Relations brand. It now sits in the Relations Group, uh, and we're you know we we turn over uh, over a million a year. I've got more than twenty staff, uh, and that came from you know a decision that I made when I was twenty three years old, and 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 it's still moving in that direction. Um, about five years ago, maybe six years ago, I I had that kind of reoccurring thought of you know, hypnosis kept coming up, NLP kept coming up. And I thought, right, if it, if my intuition is telling me this so frequently, so persistently, and it's not going away, it's probably for a reason. So, you know, I studied uh, clinical hypnotherapy, um, became a a practicing therapist about four years ago. And uh, yeah, I've been, you know, busy working with clients uh, alongside my PR agency since. So, you know, for for me, that that's a brief history of me. Fantastic. And how do you, um, juggle your time or, or, or balance your time out between the PR agency work and then um, the hypnotherapy clients? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, partly um, for the hypnotherapy in Harley Street, I rented a practice on um, Sundays. So it gave me like a six hour block on Sunday mornings, which I, I figured was the time that for the caliber of clients that I had, they'd probably be working in the week anyway. Um, but it also enabled me to book ad hoc hours outside of that time as well. So I could kind of do that then. Um, and also I have a, a practice that I use, uh, which is, you know, a, a five minute drive from my office in, in North London. Um, so it means that if I have got hypnosis clients, because I'm the owner of the PR company, I can just mark that in my calendar. I can do that and then come back. Um, but the vast majority of my clients tend to be outside of kind of core business hours anyway. And and the way I communicate it to myself really is that it's, it's what I describe as a lucrative hobby. You know, I don't consider it a profession. It's, it's just something that I do 
for fun. I have a genuine Enjoy. interest in it. Yeah. Um, but it, it happens to pay me quite well as well, which is a nice bonus. Fantastic. Um, you, you mentioned about language, I think, and the, the whole the time I spent around uh, and using NLP, the thing that's always fascinated me the most has been language and language patterns. And for me, then I, I, I used that uh, skill set within coaching uh, and initially for about a decade in the city working at a high exec coaching level, but using patterns of language, whether through coaching, whether through training workshops I would uh, run, or indeed through speaking. So yeah, uh, a very powerful skill set that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, great. So what I'd love to talk to you today, really, as I mentioned in the intro, was about um, the lockdown for some people has not been the smoothest of journey from a mental health point of view. You know, I I see for my two, I've got two young boys, you know, a two and six. My six-year-old is, is really sad, actually. He's suffering. He's, he's more tearful than normal. He's missing his buddies. Um, he's stuck in at home. It's a really hard um, balance um, to balance homeschooling with getting work done and the business done, et cetera. But, you know, parents are struggling without the extra the help. Um, so I, I'm also talking to clients and talking to other people in business. And the story is quite quite similar around from a mental health point of view view it's been a tough journey the return to work whether you're an employee or you're a leader or you're an owner there's a huge evident pressure to try and make up for lost ground to hit the ground running and we're not coming in you know match fit we're coming in fatigued mentally so i wanted to have a chat with you around what your advice are for kind of like a mental resilience for 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 helping to shift and improve the the state of individuals to get away from one of fear and concern to one of vibrancy and hope. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting time. And I think, you know, people are bored of this, this phrase unprecedented, but, but yeah. it really is, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, certainly I've never experienced anything like it in, in my life. So most people, I mean, it's different for entrepreneurs that are natural risk takers and it's different for people um, like, yourself that has an appreciation of emotional states and and that kind of stuff the average person they don't really know about this kind of stuff um and and effectively something like this which is not just a little bit disruptive but hugely disruptive um but the average person doesn't cope well with change you know we're, we're we're kind of primed for the status quo so you've got this not just rapid change and disruptive change in one area of someone's life but it's affecting their family life their home life their recreational life. They might have coping strategies where they go to the pub or they go to the gym. And, and some of these kind of natural ways that they've got to, to manage their emotional state are closed. Um, and it might be just kind of meeting up with friends and they can't do that. So you've got lots of natural coping strategies that are shut down. You've got this chaotic kind of time. Finances might be affected. Um, you know, There might be uh, anxiety or uncertainty as to whether or not the place where you work is in an industry which is viable. And many mm-hmm. industries such as hospitality, catering, sure. travel, tourism, you know, they, you know, I would be worried if I worked in those sectors right now. Yeah. So you've got not just one thing, but you've got multiple things. And that can lead to this feeling of overwhelm. And it's kind of like when you're overwhelmed, well, the average person, they don't get a pen and a pad out and think of all of their different challenges and things and start going one by one thinking, right, what am I in control of? What am I not in control of? What can I do? What I, and, and get yeah, themselves yeah, into yeah. empowering states. The average person doesn't do that. The average person either digs their head into the sand 
or they use some form of self-medication, either food, drink, drugs, or excessive amounts of TV, simply to distract themselves. And then there's a possibility of then going back to work. Well, you're getting back to work, but your finances might still be in a mess. You might have childcare arrangements that you're not sure how to deal with. So, you know, I can completely understand why so many people are struggling so much. You know, mm. this is a weird time with too many moving parts for anyone to have any kind of clarity as to what to do next. And then we're expected to make decisions and then act like normal. And not only that, absolutely right, make up for lost ground because the business that you might work for is struggling because they've had several weeks or a couple of months worth of no revenue. And then you overlay across that the fear that certainly is being cultivated in the media and social media around what if I was to collect, uh, catch COVID-19. Yeah. And you've also got lots of mixed messages, yeah. um, whether that's from conspiracy theorists saying what the actual cause of this is <laughs> yes. to people, you know, doctors saying, you know, I don't know what they're worrying about to other doctors saying, you know, always wear a mask and social distance. So, you know, it's not just that you've got the the fear, you've got the fear of of all the unknown variables and, you know, well, who should I believe? So we're, we're being pulled in lots of different parts and lots of people have got different agendas um, and, and things like that. But to answer your question, how can people prepare for post-lockdown? Um, it, it's about taking overwhelm and then putting that into two categories. Uh, and, and that can massively reduce the amount of overwhelm by simply saying, what can I not have any influence whatsoever on? Okay, so government policy, the average person doesn't have the ability to change that. Um, economic mood, sentiment, you know, demand for whatever the thing is. There's so many variables that people are not in control of. And the simplest thing that you can do is to accept that you can't influence or control those things. And if you accept yes. that fully, um, yeah. but are willing to respond quickly to whatever does happen in the area that you can control, that's going to make you feel a bit more empowered rather than a victim of what's going on. Yeah. And then it makes sense to really think about all the things that you are in control of, because just because you're not in control of the virus itself or government policy or your start date at work, if you're an employee, doesn't mean that you're not in control of anything. Sure. You know, you're in control of what you do with the time that you have. You're in control of how you prepare. You know, it might be that if you're in an industry that you're worried about, maybe you can work on your LinkedIn profile or your CV, start reaching out to people. There are still things that you're in control of. And I think the, the number one way that you can reduce overwhelm is accepting that you can't change stuff, but also accepting that you can change stuff and then focusing on what you can do. Uh, so it puts you in the driving seat a bit more. So by you accepting what you can do and you start to make progress on the things that you can do, um, psychologically, what's the impact of that? How does that help? Well, immediately it gives you a sense of control. So, you know, using hypnotic language, the locus of control has moved from outside you to inside you. Great. So you've got an element of ownership of what's happening. You're, you're the, the master of your own destiny. And, you know, when, when the, the crisis really hit and it was obvious that there was going to be a lockdown and, and people were going to have to work from home, um, I've got, you know, just over 20 staff here. And I, I did a bit of a talk with them and I said, look, you know, this is, this is going to be chaotic. You know, this is going to be um, an absolute mess. And because of what's happening, we're going to have clients that can cancel campaigns. This is for the PR company. Uh, I said, there's going to be some companies that don't make it and can't pay their invoices. Some people are going to postpone. Um, some people are going to use it as excuses not to go ahead with the proposals that you've already got out there. And if we let it, 
this is going to be the perfect excuse because we can't deny that this thing is happening and it is so chaotic. Or, or we can accept harsh realities and choose to respond quickly to them. And what I was really doing with my, my team there is preempting the element of, oh, and then this has happened and then this has happened. So by me compounding all the things that could happen right from the get-go and then saying that we can use it as an excuse if we choose to, or we can accept the harsh realities and focus on what we can do, it put the locus of control on them to take ownership of what they can do. And I think at some level, we can all do that. We can say, look, you know, if we ignore harsh realities, we're living in, in, in kind of make-believe, doesn't make sense. The economy definitely is going to be in recession. There is going to be negative consequences. There's going to be thousands upon thousands of people either redundant and businesses will fail. So let's accept that there are harsh realities and accept that they are going to be really harsh and unpleasant and undesirable. People are going to die. People are going to get sick. But beyond that, focus on what we can do. And then yes. it gives you a sense of empowerment. It gives you a sense of um, being in control. It gives you the ability to focus on um, yourself and your own immediate environment. You might not be able to focus what's happening in the world, but you can focus what's happening in your house, you know, or what news you consume or you know, what mood you're in. You can kind of change your emotional state, even if that's by going for a nice walk or a bit of exercise. But there are things that you can do. And I think it's, it's healthy to kind of um, not live in, in this kind of delusional world of, you know, I'm invincible, nothing can happen to me, or equally delusional, that I'm a victim and everything's happening to me. Like the coronavirus is some global ploy to just mess up your life. Like that's just <laughs> as unrealistic. Yeah. Um, but except that, yeah, it's a nightmare situation, but that doesn't mean there's nothing that we can do. Hey, Gavin here. You may remember from an earlier episode of the Business Mastermind podcast, I interviewed Adam Strong about the Game Changer Summit. If you haven't yet put your name down for your free place on it, you need to go to bit.ly forward slash Game Changer Gavin, Game Changer Gavin, all lowercase, or bit.ly forward slash Game Changer Gavin, so that you can listen from full leaders, 30 of them from across the world, including Dr. John Martini. Jack Hanfield from Chicken Soup for the Soul, Jaron Lecter from co-authoring of the Rich Dad Poor Dad series, Jean-Pierre de Villiers, David Horn, who's a multi-company CFO, mind amazing information around finances and government funding at the moment. Nick Rickson, an amazing brain and business strategist, Kelly Teasdale, a phenomenal marketer, and many others and my good self. So go to bit.ly forward slash Game Changer Gavin to secure your free place on the Game Changer Summit. So have you got your team back or, or to some extent in the PR business? Yeah, so we've we, we've got everyone working from home. Um, we've got two people, weirdly, like it's been, um, I, I think, I know that there's competitors that have just furloughed all their staff. I decided to keep all my staff on. There was like one or two that just because of childcare arrangements, we couldn't do that. Um, but virtually all staff are still on the payroll. We, um, you know, we had our best April in the last five years, the best wow. May, uh, the best March in the last five years, and we're on course for a record May. And, and I think it's, it's overall because um, we're looking at the, the nuggets of opportunity within this rather than focusing on all the, all the chaos and mayhem. And, and we had campaigns that were designed for uh, the Olympics. Well, the Olympics isn't happening, but there was like loads of awareness campaigns that have been postponed. Like It would be so easy for me to whine and moan about that, but let's just accept that and then focus on what we can do. And 
it basically means that you know all our team are working from home. We have regular Zoom meetings. We check in with everyone. Uh, we've got um, six new starters that we've actually hired that aren't starting yet, but we're eager to get them as soon as we can. And and for me, I just look at it as you know I've got major competitors in central London. I'm just outside of central London. That you know even if they're not paying business rates, you know they've still got higher overheads than I have. Um, sure. Central London is not going to be so desirable if you have to be on public transport to get there. No, no, no. Um, so I'm just looking at it, you know, how do I exploit the, 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 the silver lining in the cloud rather than focusing on the cloud? And I think you partly answered this next question with, with the thing about regular Zoom meetings, but with your team carrying on working, but working from home, potentially uh, more prone to other influences, whether that be family members, media, social media, how have you kept there, helped keep them sort of looking for the positive silver linings as opposed to getting sucked down into the negativity and the fear? Yeah, I think I think it's part of the culture. You know, we start each morning. Um, the day starts at 8.30. We have an 8.45 Zoom meeting and it's a really positive meeting where we focus on, you know, the ideas, we focus on accomplishments, um, you know, the, the successes. Uh, we get people talking about, you know, their own things, like what are they looking forward to? You know, what new hobbies are they taking up? You know, getting them to kind of share their own, you know, kind of things, you know, in with, with what's going on and, and having a lot of very open communication. Um, I think that helps. Um, equally, the, the kind of culture that I've built is that of not, a lack of micromanagement, you know, I, I tell every person I ever hire and every person that works here, if I need to micromanage someone, I've got the wrong person on the payroll, you know, they're, they're, they shouldn't be in the company. Um, so there is no micromanagement, but there is a lot of accountability, which I think um, means that you don't need to push someone or tell someone to work, you know, if you've got the accountability. So we've got, you know, Google Sheets and we've got um, certain things which are fully transparent so that if, if someone wasn't working, we would know they're not working. And that doesn't mean we want to fire them. It means we want to figure out what's going on. Maybe they're stressed, maybe they're under pressure, maybe we can help in some way. But I think a combination of a positive, supported, trusted environment, plus um, using technology to create an accountable environment uh, enables people to, to kind of, you know, because like they, everyone knows people right now that, are really stressed and, and really, you know, worried about their job prospects and all that kind of stuff. So I remind them that we're having our best months and then they feel like they're in a company that's doing well. And then that gives them a sense of job security, which reduces stress. So, you know, it, it, it's about, you know, using communication and, and, and you quite right language in a way to make people feel secure, uh, trusted, um, encouraged, supported, you know, because I know that there are, lots of employers out there that work from home in their mind equals people are watching TV, people are oh, for sure. And, and, in, and if that's their belief system, then they're, they're, that creates a culture of a lack of trust. And then that forces micromanagement, which then makes people feel not trusted and that they don't want to work. And then you get a negative loop. So, you know, I think- Actual fact, I, I saw a, a report that I found quite horrifying that there's, a, there's some companies in the US uh, enforcing uh, software webcam technology that they're checking every 15 minutes if their employer, employee is still sat at their 
their laptop and doing work. I just thought it was horrific. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, one, I'm sure that's illegal, but but secondly, you know, what if they're working in their bedroom and then they're getting changed, you know, that, that, that's yeah, probably, yeah. you know, um, you know, not just un- unethical, but illegal as well. But, but you're right. There, there is a lack of trust. And I, and, and I think, um, you know, that adds to the pressure. And then if you find out that your colleagues fired because, you know, they weren't working hard enough, well, then that's going to make you more stressed about your job. So, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I'm a business owner, but, you know, I feel it's my responsibility to give every employee the best opportunity to, you know, learn, you know, earn and, and make their career grow and, and, and move in the right direction. And, and if I can do that, then great. But equally, I have enough analytic tools in there to know that in the same way that I wouldn't hold on to a bad investment, I'm not going to hold on to a member of staff that's a liability. I will try my best to coach them, mentor them, train them to be the best that they can. But if I do that and they're still not producing the results, it's also my responsibility as a business owner to let that person go because sure. there's, there's no, you know, it has to be, you know, my, my mantra is it's win-win or no dice. You know, if, if, we're, if we're both not winning, then it shouldn't work. Yeah. So before we get on to your advice to um, leaders, to business owners about um, how to re-engage uh, teams that have been on furlough, what would you put down your best April and your best May uh, down to? I know you said you were looking for the silver linings, but for example, have you gone out there to existing customers, who clients who couldn't run the campaigns because, for example, there's no there's no Olympics and you've repurposed, engaged with them to repurpose that budget to a new project. I'm just interested in the thinking that you had and indeed your team members have had that have turned this into the reality of being a record April and a record May. Yeah. So, it, it's, it, you know, I, I find it a hilarious phrase, but so many of the Americans, you know, are using this phrase, you know, pivoting, you yeah. know, and uh, yeah. And, and, and I just thought, well, how, how is pivoting any different from adapting, you know? And, 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 and for me, you know, what I love about business is that it's, it's, it's quite cruel in the same way that nature's cruel. It will reward the right kind of things. So, you know, in nature, any species, any flower, any plant that doesn't adapt, it dies out, you know, it's the same in business. Um, So when we had, I mean, originally we, we were having the, the team, you know, pitching for things like, you know, um, tourism in, in, in kind of, uh, overseas tourism. Cause a lot of people are thinking about summer holidays. Well, we knew that the, the, the airline industry that, you know, that, that industry was completely ruined. So we took someone off that sector and we put them into, um, different sectors. So many of the campaigns we've been working on recently have been about, um, how people are living uh, you know, during the corona coronavirus. So, you know, it's things like exercising at home, learning a language. Uh, we're working with companies like Geolingo and, um, you know, like apps that teach kids how to play the piano and home exercise. And, and, and the thing is, we were thinking, well, what kind of companies would actually um, do well out of the corona crisis? And then we, we say, well, look, hey, we can get your message out there to demolish them. People. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's how we were able to kind of do it. We just kind of thought very logically as to um, just because some businesses are going to be struggling doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities for other ones. And then we present opportunities to the ones that can actually benefit. And, and, and some it, of those businesses up until that point may have been relatively small, may not have been used to engaging in PR. And so you've 
but wondering how on earth they're going to get their message out there. So it's just a, a, a perfect sort of meeting of minds there. Yeah, totally. So we, so we did that in terms of the the, the business acquisition and the, the creative process to acquire clients. Um, but equally, we had to look at the technology behind it because normally we have um, people sat in very plush central London studios uh, linking up to different radio stations across the country. And we thought, well, we can't physically do that. So we had to look at the technology to say, right, how do we conference in um, the spokespeople? How do we connect to the radio station? How do we record that in the best quality and uh, edit that and, and get it over to the client on FTP in a, in a seamless way? Um, and we figured out that out pretty quick. So it was, a, it was an element of um, thinking about how do we allocate the resources to still have campaigns to work on? How do we then implement those campaigns in an efficient way? And, and I was able to do that with the PR business. With my hypnotherapy hobby, um, I mean, everything just switched from face-to-face therapy to Zoom, um, you know, things. And, and even with that, I'm still doing half as many hypnosis clients as I was before. So I thought, right, well, I'm going to use, because I still want to keep my, my kind of hypnosis sharp. So I thought, right, well, in the, in the time that I'm not using um, it for real hypnosis clients, uh, I'm going to launch a second podcast called The Hypnotist and then, you know, um, do that. So for, for me, I think if, if, I, if I was kind of like freaking out about all the ifs, whats and maybes and, and that kind of stuff, I wouldn't have had the, the resourcefulness or, or the kind of thing to think, hey, I'm going to launch this and I'm going to do that and we'll, we'll hire new staff. You know, with the recruitment side, I thought, well, there's going to be loads of highly talented salespeople that have been displaced. If you're in event sales, you know, some of the best For salespeople sure. are out of a job um, and I'm probably going to be the only one recruiting. So, you know, I think having that kind of mindset where I think, you know, how do I really focus on the silver lining here has enabled me to, you know, kind of, make progress while competitors are, are kind of falling behind. Brilliant. I love that. And it's obviously, it's, it's obviously paid dividends for you and the team, which is fantastic. So let, let, let's talk about business owners who have had a, a, a good proportion of their team furloughed. And some of those employees have had a relatively good time in terms of free from worry, probably not been that worse off because of they're not being out there spending money and not being able to go on holiday, go, go to the theatre, dine out or whatever. But some will have had a challenging time, as we said earlier on. Um, and there's the ongoing fear around uh, exposure on public transport and back in the workplace. How could you, how, what advice can you give to business owners to shift the focus, to change the conversation back on to you know, delivering in the business, but also feeling good about that and focusing on a new direction rather than the fear of the, the last couple of months. Yeah, I, I think I think it, it, it uses again like hypnosis and NLP. It's it's about pacing before leading. You know, it's yeah. about entering their world. And and first of all, you know, you're going to break rapport if you don't acknowledge that the person that you're getting back to work might they might be worried about childcare arrangements. They might be worried about you know, miss rent payments or, or, or whatever it might be. Um, so you've got to, you've got to enter their world. You know, the first conversation a business owner needs to say is, are you all right? You know, how's everything going? You know, what, what's, what's happening in your world and is there anything I can do to help? You know, that's going to build rapport massively, you know, and then it's a case of, and totally acknowledgement, validation. And then it's about moving it on to say, well, look, you know, um, and, and, and again, if any business owner that kind of, is pretending like nothing's happened, you know, he's going to come across like David Brent. It's kind of like, 
morning, everyone. How's everyone? You know, and we're gonna we're gonna do this. It's, again, it's a rapport breaker. They're, they're gonna look like idiots. So it's a case of acknowledging, hey, look, it's been a tough time. You know, some of you might be a bit worried about stuff. Any any questions you have, you come and ask me. Um, here's a reality check. Here's 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 the problems we're facing right now, and with your help, we might be able to solve them. You know, and then you're gonna get the the team on side. Whereas if you've got this disconnect where it's straight into management hierarchy and it's kind of like, wow, well, um, you're behind on your figures and we're going to need to do this. Well, then, you know, where, where's going to be that kind of eagerness to help? You know, because yeah. most people, you know, they, they feel valued if they're, if they're contributing. Absolutely. But if they don't feel trusted and they feel like they're being penalized by a global pandemic, well, then they're going to they're gonna use it as an excuse as to why they haven't hit whatever, you know, responsibilities they have. You know, they're going to point that, that finger of excuse. So I would say business owners, they have to, first of all, um, enter the world of, of their employee, you know, figure out what's going on. They have to be very authentic, very real, you know, park the management speak and, and just go to real authentic language and then build a picture of the vision that they're trying to do to solve some of the problems that they're in. And then say, look, you know, we're all in this together. You know, let's let's see what we can do. And I think that's going to get more from the employees than if it's, you know, um, a different tone. And, and you get different cultures and different kind of businesses. Um, and depending on the type of business, some of that language might not be possible. Um, but it's likely that a lot of employees are going to be fearful. You know, they might be anxious. They might mm. be, you know, worried in some way. And, and you're going to get more out of your employees if you um, be honest, you know, don't try and, you know, trick or mislead people, you know, and, and, and explain where we are, what needs to happen and, and how they can help. And you're going to get more out of them. For sure. Um, would you say that it's, um, would you advocate that an employer or a manager would kind of um, encourage people to go through the gear, gears metaphorically more slowly, you know, build up speed in terms of productivity more slowly or uh, just while people reacclimatize or do you just uh, don't make an issue of that? I'd be interested in your take on that. Yeah, I think, I think it depends on the industry. I think, um, you know, when you, when you think of um, taskmasters, you know, from the, the world of sport, you know, Alex Ferguson comes to mind as someone that would anything less than a hundred percent and he would give like the hairdryer treatment. Well, the truth is that wasn't always the case. You know, if he had, you know, exceptional members, you know, of his team, like, like early Ronaldo's, quite often he would kind of let a few things slide, you know? So I think good management is kind of, if you know that, you know, that person that is coming back after furlough has lost a family member and that family member is dead um, and you're on their back saying, why haven't you done this? You know, then word's going to get around and then, you know, suddenly all you've got, you've got a morale issue like that. So I think, you know, again, to use kind of NLP speak, you know, sensory acuity, pay attention to what's going on, you know, actually, um, you know, look at what's going on. And, and there will be some people that will use it as an excuse and they'll, they'll, they'll need to dust off a few cobwebs and kind of get back to, to, to the kind of the pace. But there'll be other people that have been chomping at the bit. They're bored. They've been bored in the house and they're eager to get back. So paying attention to, to those people that are doing it well you know, giving them encouragement, praise, seeing the people that genuinely need help, and then detecting perhaps the people that are using it as an excuse. Because that way, if you do need to, you know, trim down a team, you don't want to trim down the team with the good attitude, the hard workers. You want to trim the team that are kind of are, are looking for 
you know, a get out of jail free card. They're looking for that kind of reason not to work very hard. Oh, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, any businesses, they do need to scale up, they need to scale down, but you want to scale up the right kind of people and scale down the right kind of people. But overall, you need to build rapport with your team. You need to kind of have mutual respect and you need to pay attention to the, the, the circumstances of the individual. Uh, and if you treat everyone like a number, well, then, you know, that, that is not a healthy way to kind of no, no. get your team on, on firing on all cylinders. I completely agree. Thank you, Adam. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of real value in there, not only from how we can deal with anxiety and, and how we can um, choose what we can control and differentiate between what we can control and what we can't control. You, you've shared your journey and story about how you've shifted the thinking of everybody in your team in the PR business, your PR business, to make it record March, April, and, and, and record May. Um, and then about re-engaging people when they're back at work if they've had a period of time off on furlough. I know that everybody listening to this will have got a huge amount of value. So thank you. Thank people you. want to check you out in terms of your two podcasts and find out more about what you do on the hypnotherapy side and the PR side. How can they do that? Yeah. So um, in terms of the two podcasts, so if you look for Modern Mindset on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, you'll see that where I interview uh, different thought leaders and kind of pick their brains to develop good mindsets. Uh, the second podcast is called The Hypnotist, where you get to be a spy on the wall of a Harley Street hypnotherapy practice and kind of uh, experience real hypnosis sessions. Um, if you have anxiety or a phobia, you can visit my website, phobiaguru.com, where I have a free video on how to eliminate phobias quickly. Um, if you maybe have put on the pounds over the, uh, the, the quarantine period, I have a, a site called hypnoslimming.com. Where I use hypnosis to help people lose weight. Um, if you have an addiction, which some people do have, you can go to addictionexperts.co.uk. And if you just want to learn more about me, you can go to adamcox.co.uk. It's great, Adam. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I really appreciate it. I'm more than welcome. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms. Enjoy more success and create more impact.